Bible passage this morning is from John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. And the Bible I have is on page 1645. I think it's the same as the Pew Bible. The title of this is The Word Became Flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Today's sermon was prepared by uh, Xiao Cheng. For those uh, readers of the banner out there, he is the new editor of the banner. Uh, and he is also my uncle married into the family. That's how I have a Malaysian uncle. <laughs> so yeah, when I was uh, assigned to read the service, I called him up and said, do you have a, a good sermon that would be good? And we bounced over a few ideas and then I remembered that he had prepared one for my father to read at my parents' church out in Canada, in Ontario. And I said, I know that one was well-received. And so he remembered the name, and it was this sermon, God's Missional Strategy. Uh, and the more I read through it, it actually really fit, not only with the renewal lab process of the church, but also with uh, World Hunger Sunday, and especially the efforts of World Renew. And so it is my pleasure uh, to bring you this sermon today. There was a famous theologian by the name of Leslie Newbigin who was a missionary to India. And Newbigin once said this about the incarnation, God's coming in flesh in Jesus. He said that the incarnation is God's greatest missionary act. If you think about it, that's probably true. Jesus came as a baby in order to save us and to proclaim God's good news to the world. Jesus coming in the flesh was part of God's mission. 
Jesus was on a mission. In one sense, Jesus was a missionary. And if this word becoming flesh passage that our, and if this word becoming flesh that our passage in John 1 talks of is God's missionary act, then what is God's missional strategy? What can we learn from this passage about God's strategy for mission? And can we, as a church and as individual Christians, maybe follow it in our lives as we join in God's mission? I, that's Pastor Chung, have found four themes in God's missional strategy in Jesus Christ. The first theme is for us to go into the world. And we have uh, uh, pictures to go along with these themes. Go into the world. God could probably choose to save us in many different ways, but God chose to save us by sending his son into the world. God came into the world. As our passage says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. It also says the true light was coming into the world. Jesus did not choose to stay comfy and safe by his father's side, but went into the world as a vulnerable baby in the midst of a very dangerous world. In order for the light to do any good, the light has to go where the darkness is. This is what our missionaries do. They go into other countries to bring the gospel to those who need it. Much like we just read with uh, World Renew and their efforts in Guatemala and other countries. But what about us as individual Christians here in Lacombe? And what about us as a church, Bethel? Is going out to where the need is, to where the darkness is, only the job of full-time missionaries? Or is it also what each one of us are called to do? I believe we are all called to be on God's mission, not just full-time ministry workers. We are all called to follow Jesus, and that includes following Jesus in his mission to the world. Now, I don't want to say that as a way of making you feel guilty about not joining God's mission. I believe that if you come to realize the truth of God's love for you, you will naturally want to join God's mission of spreading his love in this world. Secondly, I don't want you to think that I am only talking about verbal evangelism. Telling people about Jesus and the good news is part of God's mission. But I see God's mission as bigger than that. For now, let's just say that God's mission and our mission, if we choose to join God's mission, is to spread God's love and God's life in this world. And that happens not only through people coming to faith in Christ, it also means bringing God's justice into an unjust world, bringing God's love to a hate-filled world, and other means. It is a multidimensional mission that all works together to bring people into loving the God who loves them. Now, the darkness or the need is not always halfway around the world, but sometimes it is right next door or across the street from where we live. Or it's in the next chair or the desk in the classroom. Or it's in the next cubicle or office at work. Sometimes the darkness or need is in the next Facebook wall post or the next Twitter update. If you see a need anywhere and everywhere, you need to reach out. You need to go and do something. For instance, you cannot just turn a blind eye if someone is being bullied on the internet by cyberbullies or if they're being bullied in the school hallway. We all need to go and be a light in the darkness. And sometimes, 
That going is the hardest thing to do. So we see that our first theme in God's missional strategy is for us to actually leave our comfort zones and to go where the need is, something that Christ did. Our second theme is to dwell among them. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling in the original Greek is the same word as tenting. And that's why there's a tent in the picture. This is also a very difficult thing for us to do. It's one thing for us to go outside of our comfort zones, but not many of us want to dwell in those areas that we find risky and uncomfortable. Let's think about the image of a tent. It's okay to spend a couple of weeks camping out in a tent. Some of you may not even want a couple of weeks in a tent. But what if you were to live a whole year like that? In winter and summer? This too is what our missionaries do. They go into other countries and they live there. Here's the application. We are not in the business of doing a drive-by style of ministry. I've also heard it called a hit-and-run ministry. Hit them with the gospel and run away. It's not about going to a place, doing a blitz of goodness, proclaiming the gospel, and then going home. In other words, it's not short-term. To dwell means to be there for the long haul. In our instant society today, we all want quick fixes. But the reality is that most things require deep and long fixes. This does not mean that if there is a quick fix, we don't apply it. Of course, we certainly do. But it doesn't mean that, oh, it doesn't mean we don't do any short-term missions or one-time acts of goodness. What it does mean, what dwelling means, is that our normal mode of reaching out should be to think long-term. Our default mindset when we go about God's mission should be to think long-term, to dwell. We are not in the business of a drive-by ministry. When you start dwelling in a place, you start building relationships. And I think of the examples that I've seen in Bethel with the Tuesday night suppers, with our youth groups going back to the same place and building these relationships in Mexico. These are excellent examples of dwelling. The relationships. You begin to know people more deeply when you dwell. You begin to notice what really goes on or happens in the neighborhood beyond the surface. When you dwell longer at a place, you get to understand the community better and see its real needs. When you dwell, you also begin to feel emotionally attached to that place. And so when we reach out to our classmate or our office mate or our coworker who needs our help, our encouragement, who needs the good news that we bring, we need to be there for the long haul. We need to develop relationships with people. And that long-term dwelling with people, dwelling in that relationship, helps, us, helps in finding out the root problems of things. So more than physical dwelling, we also need relational dwelling. And Christ did that in his ministry as he dwelled with his disciples. Our third theme of God's missional strategy is to give grace and truth. And this comes from the second part of verse 14. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. We see it again in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Uh, For though the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Yes, we need to let God's truth teach us, to correct us and to guide us. But this truth is not given to us in harsh doses of judgmentalism. Rather, it is given with large doses of grace. God's grace. God's compassion and mercy goes hand in hand with God's truth. We read in Ephesians 4 verse 15 that it says that we have to speak the truth in love. If we speak the truth without grace or love, then we will be in danger of being judgmental and legalistic. If we speak the grace without the truth, then we are in danger of being permissive and relativistic. And so we need both grace and truth. And Jesus has both of them. He is full of grace and truth. How does this apply to us? We need to start off with grace and dwell there for the long term. Over time, we begin to build trust, we begin to build relationships, and through that, people learn God's truth after they have tasted God's grace. When we reach out and help long-term our friends, whether at school or at work or at the street where we live, we need to show grace first. I believe by not judging them, but by being alongside them, by encouraging them, by giving them strength. This is how we give grace. But in the process, we don't become what we are not. We are Christ followers, and in the process of giving grace, we do not stop following Christ's truth ourselves. And that, especially in the long run, will show forth naturally in the relationship. And so our third point, we need to be filled with both grace and truth. The fourth and final theme, and I love how Pastor Chung worded this, is to midwife God's life. It's a powerful phrase. This comes from verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This new life that comes, the conversions, the transformations, all of this comes from God. We don't do that. We are only the midwives. We help deliver the babies, the new convert. We don't make the babies. We are not the parents. God is. We are not the mother. We don't give birth to the new life. We are only the midwives. We help deliver God's new life. The Holy Spirit brings about that life. We support the birth. We help the mother. We cannot rush things or force things either. Midwives normally do not do C-sections or induce births. They usually wait for the birth to happen naturally. And so likewise, when it comes to the new life in Christ, it is God's work, not ours. We are only the midwives. We wait for God's timing to deliver the birth of new life in people's lives and in a community. 
And God's life can come in various forms and sometimes in surprising ways. And so in conclusion, remember our four themes and try to apply them in our own missional contexts, whether here or in the far away. Number one, go into the world. Get out of your comfort zone. Number two, dwell among those you are reaching out to. Build the relationships. Thirdly, give grace and truth, neither one nor the other, but both. And fourthly, be patient and supportive of the Holy Spirit, midwife this new life that God has brought about. And in doing so, we will see the successes and the strategy uh, for God's mission. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize the importance of missional work in your world. We thank you for first coming into the world to reach out to us, and in turn, we pray that we may be your willing servants in continuing your missional strategy. Grant us wisdom as we reach out to family, friends, neighbors, and to those who are far away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.